You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is none other than entrepreneurship guru, Michael E. Gerber. Does that sound familiar? It should, because he is the author of what the Wall Street Journal has called the most influential business books of all time, The E-Myth, E-Myth Revisited, and a whole series of over two dozen industry-specific and other E-Myth-related books. And he's also the founder of multiple business development companies to help small business owners create thriving companies. With all of that, Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Now, for anyone who either works for a company and is thinking about venturing out on their own and going into business for themselves, or who already did take this massive leap of faith like I did over a decade ago, The E-Myth Revisited really should be the first book you read. But for anyone who isn't already familiar with your work, Michael, assuming there is anybody left on the planet who has not yet heard of The E-Myth and that whole um, realm, let's be clear. I just want to make sure there's no confusion off the bat, because the E in E-Myth is not the same E like in e-commerce or email. It's not about electric or being online. What is the E and what is the E-Myth? The E is entrepreneur. And the E-Myth is that most small businesses are not started by entrepreneurs, but by what I call technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. (laughs) I love it. Yes. And so with that seizure comes a variety of delusions when you leap (laughs) for yourself. And what do you think are the couple of biggest reality checks or shocks to the system for someone who is a practitioner of some sort. And and I'm a perfect case study of something like this. I went into business on my own as a consultant trying to assist because I was good at the communications piece and I wanted to help people do it. And there really wasn't a quote unquote job listing in a classified ad that would fit what I had at my disposal after finishing my graduate studies and after doing a variety of other things. So I thought, all right, I'll go into consulting. I'll just work for myself. But there's a massive difference between working for yourself and building a business around what it is that you do. What are some of the biggest shocks to the system that people who make this leap discover? Well, the biggest shock of all is that you're never free. Yeah. In short, you're enslaving yourself to a process that you're the key instigator of and the key deliverer of. So you're in prison (laughs) and there's never been a prison like it because on the one hand, you wanted to be in prison. (laughs) On the other hand, you had no idea that it actually was a prison and it is. What is the prison about it? Well, the greatest reality is that most small businesses, and I mean most, talking in the 90% Mm -hmm. most, go out of business. Every year, 
most of those businesses that were started by technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure <laughs> fail. And they fail because you just run out of juice, just run out of energy. Yeah. Just come face to face with the fact that I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I can't get anyone else to do it as good as I do. Yeah. So to hell with it. I'm going. <laughs> and that's what happens. They quit. I think the the biggest shock for me in the first couple of years was just realizing that you go into business for yourself so that you can do what you love to do as the, as you put it, technician, for me as the coach. But you don't realize that in order to build the business around it, 90% of your time is not spent initially, at least doing what you love to do. It's doing everything else that you didn't want to do, don't know how to do, have no background or training in doing, and aren't interested in learning how to do from the accounting to the marketing to the networking to the whatever else it is. And I remember the first time that I had to try to learn QuickBooks for myself, for bookkeeping. And I just cried. I had friends coming over. I brought professionals, people who use it for work. I just thought to myself, I have a PhD and I cannot figure out this super basic accounting bookkeeping <laughs> software. It was just the most humbling experience. And I finally realized, you know what? I need to pay somebody else to do this. That was the best expense I ever made was contracting somebody else to do that. When you say, Laura, humbling, it's not that. It's debilitating. It was both for me, frankly. <laughs> because, you know, once you get through the QuickBooks obstacle, yeah. there's just a whole list of them waiting yes. for you to get through two. Yes. And then you begin to see that. For me to get through all of those hurdles in order to simply do what I love to do, <laughs> what was I, out of my mind <laughs> when I decided to do this? Yeah. Especially when you look at the money. There is no money, honey. Not in the beginning. Not in the beginning. No, come on. And the beginning is the end. Unless? For most small businesses, for most small businesses, the beginning is the end. It's simply a mirror of what you're absolutely going to deal with a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. Get the hell out of there or change your mind. And so my work has been changing the mind of small business owners to awaken the entrepreneur within. And that is something where I want to dig into that a little bit more today, obviously. So now I'm curious because you obviously have built quite the empire that must have started out small at one point. You didn't have all of these companies and all of these books and all of these people working with you. If we can jump to right where you are now with the Michael E. Gerber companies, what's your elevator pitch? How do you frame what you do now? Well, my elevator pitch, if we'll call it that. Sure. I'm effectively, I'm talking to a guy in an elevator. Sure. And he just told me, you're Michael Gerber. I started my own small business. Before we get to floor three, yeah. could you tell me the secret of how you got where you are? And I say, absolutely. Let me tell you what it is. I decided absolutely decided that working for myself was lunacy. I decided I had to work for something else. I had to work for you, not for me. Mm. And in order for me to work for you, I had to create a system that I could provide you with that could alter the way you work every single day. 
And so we went to work on our company starting back in 1977 when we first opened our doors to the Michael Thomas Corporation. I was Michael. He was Thomas. Nice. We spent several months trying to figure out what our dream, our vision, our purpose, and our mission were. Mm. And Laura, dream, vision, purpose, and mission are four different things. They actually represent the four different personalities of an entrepreneur, Hmm. the dreamer, the thinker, the storyteller, the leader. So get this, every single entrepreneur must be a dreamer, a thinker, a storyteller, and a leader. They must therefore determine what their dream is, what their vision is, what their purpose is, and what their mission is. I have a dream. I have a vision. I have a purpose. I have a mission. I love it. And in that process, you suddenly awaken the spirit of entrepreneurship within you. And in the process, you suddenly become other than the one who's doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. You're discovering the enterprise within what you're setting out to create. It's not for me, it's for them. It's not for me, it's for them. That shift in consciousness is the ball game. Now, how do we go from that state of internal consciousness and recognizing your own dream, vision, purpose, mission, et cetera, and then as you start to hire more people, contract, do what you need to do, there are people who surprisingly can't read your mind. I don't know about you. I found this to be an annoyance from time to time when you want everybody to know what you mean, know what you need, know what you want, know what you expect. What would you say is the role of communication with others in the success of an entrepreneur who is making that shift now from just being the technician to being the business owner? Well, you understand the role of communication starts with communicating with yourself. Okay. In short, if you haven't determined how to communicate with yourself, the one who aspires to grow, the one who aspires to discover what entrepreneurship is all about, the one who aspires to go beyond where I am, until you get that job done, you can't do anything else. So what we did is invent what we call the eightfold path. The eightfold path is the process of going from a company of one, where you are, to a company of 1,000, where you never thought you'd be. How to grow from a company of one to a company of 1,000. Step one, I have a dream. Step two, I have a vision. Step three, I have a purpose. Step four, I have a mission. Step five is the job. And the job is your client fulfillment system. Step six is the practice. And at the heart of the practice is your franchise prototype, lead generation, lead conversion, client fulfillment. Mm. Step six is your business. And your business is nothing other than up to seven turnkey practices. Laura number one, Laura number two, Laura number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven. And in order to do that, you need a management system. And finally, the eighth step is the enterprise. And at the heart of the enterprise is the leader and the leadership system. And the enterprise represents up to seven turnkey businesses. Hmm. 
49 turnkey practices. Wow. Law number one to law number 49. Think about it. As you begin to see that, you suddenly grappled with expanding your reach in a way that enables you to touch the heart of the matter in a way you can't possibly do on your own. Mm. So Laura, number 49 is working with X number of clients and Laura, number 48 is working with X number of Laura clients and 47 and 46 and 40, you get my point. Sure. Suddenly you have an enterprise. Yes. It's the Laura enterprise, but Laura isn't doing it, doing it, doing it. Laura is leading it, leading it, leading it. What do you think are the most important communication skills for people to learn in shifting from that communicating about the business, about your practice versus shifting into the leader role, the leader of that enterprise? What are the hardest skills to learn? It's critical when you say I have a dream, let me tell you what it is. I have a vision, let me tell you what it is. I have a purpose, let me tell you what it is. I have a mission, let me tell you what it is. Obviously, until you tell the other what it is, you haven't communicated what it is that inspired you to begin this process in the first place. Mm -hmm. When I decided to go into business, I thought I was going to create a job for myself. In short, that's what I did. I created a job for myself. And I got up every morning doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. I was really excited because I saw suddenly I'm free. Suddenly I'm liberated from the job I had. Suddenly I'm liberated from the boss I had. Suddenly I get to take home all the money. It's all mine. I get to do this for me. I get to do this for me. I get to do this for me. You understand the whole context of going into business for myself is all about me. Yes. Absolutely the opposite of what it must be all about them. Mm. And so my job, my job is to create a methodology through which I can replicate my dream, my vision, my purpose, and my mission in the operating reality of my great growing enterprise. Was there a point at which this clicked in for you that when it became second nature in building your own companies? And how long did it take you to get to that point when you may have known a lot of this, but there's a difference between knowing it and being able to do it when you remember to think about it versus having it become a well-oiled machine and second nature from the time that you hung out that first shingle for yourself? How long did it take before you feel like you had learned these lessons intimately? Well, when I hung out that shingle for myself, I was asked to consult with somebody's client. I said, what do you mean consult with your client? He said, you know something, Michael, that he needs to know. So um, I'd really like you to work with him. Now that somebody who asked me to do that was a great friend and brother-in-law of mine who owned a small advertising agency, Cuneiform, in Silicon Valley. Okay. And he asked me to meet with one of his clients who was having difficulty converting leads into sales. Hmm. So I said, I don't know anything about Ace, about business Ace. And he said, Michael, you know more than you think you do. Hmm. I don't know anything about high tech. He said, Michael, you don't need to. Just come visit with the guy. Let's see what happens. 
So I went with Ace to visit with the guy to see what happens. And Ace took off for an hour. And I sat down with the guy who's the owner, the founder of this, in quotes, high-tech startup in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. The guy asked me, what do you know about my business? I said, nothing, Bob. (laughs) That's honest. Nothing, Bob? (laughs) Yeah, nothing, Bob. Ace thinks I can help you. I have no idea how. Nice. And he said, well, what do you know about my product? I said, less than that, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about your business, nothing about your product. So we're here to talk for an hour. Let me ask you a few questions. Well, Bob was thunderstruck. He kept on looking at his watch. Where's Ace? Where's Ace? Where's right, Ace? Right, right. Always a good sign. What am I sitting with this guy for who doesn't know anything about my business, doesn't know anything about my product? How in the world are you going to help me, Michael, if you don't know anything about it? I said, we'll find out, won't we? Yeah. And I guess you did. And we did. Yes. Because I discovered that he didn't have a selling system. No wonder you've got a problem. You've got sales engineers, whatever the hell that means. And you're asking them to go out and make it up. And every single one of them are out there making it up on their own. You have no idea what every one of them are saying, because every one of them are saying something different. Yeah. So the very first job here is to make sure every single one of them are doing the right thing in the right way. Absolutely. And then measuring what happens. And as I began to do this work with small business clients, ACE's advertising agency clients, I began to discover something ACE didn't know at all about his clients. They hadn't a clue what they were doing. Mm. They only had a clue about what they knew to do. But that was only a mere fraction of what they needed to learn to get done. Yes, yes. And they needed to create a system for doing it. Now, the irony, of course, is that you're teaching all these clients how to build systems for their processes and for their companies. But at that stage, you were still the technician. You were the individual coming in and teaching, doing the work. You have to understand, though, in the process of doing that, I was doing exactly what I told my clients to do. In short, I began to see this is how I position myself in relationship to a new client. This is the story I tell in relationship to a new client. Sure, It's not this story or that story or the other story. It's this story. Mm -hmm. I was discovering the story at the heart of what I was setting out to do. Yes. In the process, creating a new enterprise. And when you started then to bring on people to work with you and hiring others and and creating your your clones, your mini-me's to whom to give those wonderful scripts and teach them how to do the work for you, was there a shift for you in that when you realized suddenly you weren't going to be the one going to the clients and teaching them this, you were going to be sending out your delegation to do that work for you? Was that an odd shift? Absolutely, because I got to the point where it came to me that Ace and I weren't meant to be together because mm-hmm. Ace didn't get what I was teaching. His mm. Okay. I realized Ace's business was a completely different business than the one it could be. Okay. And I realized there was a way to get there. But in my communication to Ace, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, the constant response to 
the story I tell. Yes, but you don't understand. Yes, but you don't understand the technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure says to the guy standing outside of his or her business saying, you don't have a business, Ace, you got a job Mm -hmm. and it depends upon you. And it's exactly the opposite of what you need to teach your clients in the process of providing them with the services you intend to provide. And I can show you exactly how to do that. Michael, what do you know about my business? Michael, what do you know about advertising? Michael, what do you know about high tech and low tech and no tech and everything in between? You understand every place I went, I got the same response Mm -hmm. that I was getting right here at home. So I said, Ace, I'm leaving. I'm going to go off and start my own company to do this. He said, let me get you somebody to learn how to do what you're doing and then leave. I said, wonderful. So he brought in a guy who had taught at a school for quitting smoking Mm. and was called Smoke Enders. Okay. was a franchise. And Tom, the guy who had created the system for Smoke Enders, was looking for something else to do. Mm-hmm. So Ace thought, what a perfect guy to come in and do what Michael's doing for me. And so Tom came in and Tom and I sat down and met. We talked about it. Tom asked me, what do you do? I told him what I do. He said, where are you going? I told him where I'm going. He said, well, let me watch you do what you're doing. And then he did that for a week and then another week and then another week. I said, Tom, it's time for me to go. And Tom said to me, Michael, I'm going with you. (laughs) I said, what do you mean you're going with Michael? What you're going to do is significantly more exciting than what Ace is doing here. Mm. So hear me, I'm going with you if you'll have me. And I said, by that time, I knew Tom was a virtual genius. Mm. He was absolutely brilliant. He got what I was doing better than I did. Sure. And so I said, sure, but we better tell Ace. And we told Ace and Ace got rid of both of us. I was going to say not great ways to make friends and influence people, but nevertheless, uh, sometimes (laughs) you got to break a few eggs to make some omelets. So we went to start a new company and it was called, of course, the Michael Thomas Corporation. Got it. I was Michael. He was Thomas. And the very first several months, we did what you were talking about. How did you figure out what it was that you were about to do? Well, we figured it out. The dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission, the the eightfold path, the process Mm -hmm. through which I was helping small business owners understand who they were and what they were there to do as compared to what they thought they were there to do was the process we had applied for ourselves. And I want to just point out that to people who are listening, that notion of working on the business versus working in the business, you're not just throwing that in there because it's a, a common phrase nowadays, that you actually are the person or are one of the people who who put that phrase on the map, as it were, made that distinction yeah. between working in the business and doing the job, doing your practice, doing the art or the, the craft that you know how and love to do versus the business development component or the building your structures, building your systems, creating the enterprise 
enterprise, as it were, and that's working on the business. And that's actually, if you do get the E-Myth revisited, that's that's the title of chapter nine, Absolutely. is working in the business versus working on the business. So this is, this is the originator that you're listening to now of that construct, of that initial pithy distinction. Whether you are an entrepreneur, a small business owner, somebody who's thinking about it, or even potentially what I think has more recently become known as an intrapreneur, someone who perhaps still is working for someone else at a larger organization, are these principles still relevant to them in growth and business and trying to make changes within an organization? Absolutely. Absolutely. How so? It's relevant to every single individual on the planet. So hear me, this is a universal thesis, a universal thesis. This isn't just something, sort of another idea. This is instrumental toward the evolution of economic development. So when we say our dream was to transform the state of small business worldwide, in reality, our dream was to transform the state of economic development worldwide. Mm. So how is it relevant for the entrepreneur? Well, because he or she is called to either work in it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, or work on it so that it can work of its own. There has to be a system at the heart of it. Not a guy, not a lady, Mm -hmm. not an expert, but an expert system that a novice can use to produce an expert result. Once you get that as an employee, of an emerging company, getting that will make all the difference in what happens inside that company. Bringing that point of view inside that company is transformational. As you begin to understand and appreciate the transformational reality of that, based upon the results that it begins to produce, the ease it begins to produce, the universality mm-hmm. of this mindset, this existential mindset. You begin to understand what's missing in this picture and why you have so much conflict inside of the company you're working in. Understand it's not freedom for the sake of freedom. It's freedom to do what? And in my context, in the context of what we teach, it's freedom to create. Hmm. You follow me? I absolutely do. Now, let me ask you this, because we've been talking about a lot of all the success and the systems that you've built to help others have success. Somewhere along the way, you must have made a mistake, had a lesson learned the hard way of sorts. Can you share one of the lessons that you learned the hard way, especially with regard to communication? What's something where you either wish you could have just scrapped the whole thing, gone over, started again. Tell us about a communication-related mistake that you've made in building your empire. First of all, please don't refer to it as an empire. Okay. Yeah. As an enterprise? Uh, yes. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. And the mistake I've made and have continued to make throughout my entire life has nothing to do with the system. Okay. It has to do with the people in the system. Mm, okay. So the mistakes I've made are all personal always personal. My belief that someone could, my expectation that someone would, Mm. my desire that someone would want to, et cetera, and so forth. And my unwillingness to spend the amount of time and attention that was needed in order to make certain it came true. Mm. My impatience. 
to relate to that. So if there's anything that is my bad feature, the thing that has caught me up all the time, sure. it's my impatience. Mm. My impatience. My absolutely insuffable impatience. <laughs> and therein affected my ability to lead. And therein, most importantly, affected my ability to manage. Because everybody knows what I mean when I say impatience. Get it done. Get it done. Don't bother me with the details. Get it done. Mm. Get it done, stupid. It's like, my God, are you still working on that? Yeah. Yeah. It's my impatience. Sure. And um, it shows up every day in a thousand ways. And it's the one great feature of my life. I've had the greatest difficulty in overcoming. It is something that I certainly can relate to as far as just wanting things to get done. And I think it's something that's very commonly experienced for many, which on the one hand helps us get stuff done, but on the other hand can require taking a step back every now and then, say the least. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. This is going to take us to what I like to call the Listener 24-Hour Influence Challenge. So given everything we've discussed, this is a chance for you to speak directly to our listeners and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours in order to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? Wonderful. I would say read chapter one and two of Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. Hmm. Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. And that's my fourth book, fifth book, sixth book, I forget. Read that in the next 24 hours. My greatest students have read my books endlessly. Mm. Because until you read that book, you have no idea what's wrong with what you're doing and how you're doing it. Okay. And until you understand what's wrong with what you're doing and how you're doing it, it will never improve. Ever. Never. So everybody's got their marching orders, the Awaking the Entrepreneur Within. Go find it, uh, I'm sure, all over Amazon and beyond. and the, All over. All over the place. All right. Chapter one is step one to- Chapter one, chapter two. Chapter one and chapter two. Terrific. And my last question to you, Michael, advice to future generations and potentially future entrepreneurs. If you were asked to give the commencement address at a high school graduation ceremony, what advice would you give the graduates as potential future entrepreneurs? Whether or not they go to college, regardless of their major, career goals, what's the one thing they have to do to be successful? The one thing you have to do to be successful is to discover what entrepreneurship is. What does it mean? Why do entrepreneurs have such a profoundly positive influence on the world? Mm. Every great result you experience in your life has been made possible by an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur like Steve Jobs, an entrepreneur like, name them. Mm -hmm. And you suddenly begin to understand that where you are right now is at the beginning of that process. And now you can begin it in a way that will lead you to discover exactly what it is you're here to do. Yes. And my son is about to graduate from high school, so I'm definitely going to make sure that he hears, at the very least, this portion of this particular podcast. And I know one book he's going to be receiving for his graduation moving forward. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining today. How can people learn more about you and all of the various services that you could provide? Well, it's Michael at Michael E. Gerber Companies.com. Michael at Michael E. Gerber Companies.com. Just connect with us. Tell us 
Dr. Laura sent you and we'll know exactly what to do next. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I will make sure that, of course, your website, the email that you referenced, and of course, the books that we talked about today are all linked in the show notes. So for those who are listening, be sure to go to the show notes. You can go to speakingtoinfluence.com, go to iTunes, go to wherever else and get all of those correct spellings, et cetera, for all those links. Great. And by the way, make certain that everybody knows to go and watch your interview with Dr. Ivan Meisner of BNI. Because when they do that, they're going to be able to connect what Dr. Ivan Meisner saw in E-Myth. Yes. That led him to create a huge enterprise worldwide with over 10,000 franchise units worldwide. Yes. Starting out in his kitchen with two people working next to him there in his kitchen. Never would have happened without the E-Myth. Never would have happened. And that's exactly how we met. So for everyone out there, a few weeks ago, you hopefully heard the interview, the episode that we did, where I did have the honor of interviewing Dr. Ivan Meisner, who is the founder of BNI, the world's largest international networking organization. And afterward, he said to me, there's someone you need to meet. There's someone who you need to have on this show. And he instantly reached out and introduced me to Michael. And I thought, oh my goodness, of all business book authors, this is probably the first book that I ever read or one of the very first ones. Uh, so, you know, what, how wonderfully things can come in full circle. So, yes, thank you for, for referencing that, Michael. And everybody do go back a couple of weeks and check out my interview with Dr. Ivan Meisner. But this has been so much fun. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And it's been a real treat for me to speak with you today. My pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Laura. And to everybody else out there, of course, thank you for joining in, as you always do. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget also to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.